Okay, good morning. Welcome back. I hope you're well. Today is the end of the month, June 30, 2022. Middle of the year. Moving right along. Um, class 11 of the discussion of um, teachings of Webu Sayadaw and Anapanasati. And we're in the middle of chapter 1, part 2 of the book, The Essential Practice, a chapter called Straight, The Flight of an Arrow. And I read it through once, and I want to uh, give some more commentary uh, on the second half of the, of the chapter. And he's dialoguing with the disciple and asking about um, mindful, you know, the, the, the student's mindfulness meditation experience. And experience, uh, talking about how mind, which is a generalized word for uh, perception and sankara, vijnana, the three higher skandhas. So we, we know when we're talking about mind, what is mind? Well, it's sentience or sensitivity or thought formation or subjective awareness. So in Buddhism, three of the five skandhas, uh, constituents of the sense of self, called, could be called mind, such as <laughs> perception. Um, and conception or fashioning, sankara, fabrication, thought form, and then vijnana or consciousness, self, subjectivist consciousness. So all of that, uh, in some sense, is really um, subsumed, integrated into uh, use of the word mind. So in the middle of the dialogue, he, Webu um, Sayadaw says... Um, uh, I have to ask you some more questions. And so here we go. And he says, How many times does your mind dissolve in a flash of lightning? Meaning the arising and passing away of perception, sankara, and even vijnana, or a subjectivist awareness, awareness in a subjectivist sense. The, the disciple says, Billions and billions of times. And Weibu replies, so it, meaning mind or perception and conception particularly, arises and disintegrates billions of times. Every time the mind arises, it takes some object, pleasant or unpleasant, liked or disliked. Is there a time when this constant, continuous stream of mental objects is cut off or interrupted? No, sir, the mind always takes an object. Yes, and these good and bad friends meaning what you like and what you don't like, uh, arise in your mind due to the skillful and unskillful deeds or kamma you've done in the past. So, and then uh, he goes on, now if a pleasant object, which we call a good friend, enters the stream of consciousness, what happens? Liking or greed arises, sir. If liking arises, is this good or bad? It's bad, sir. <laughs> Considering, you know, a very tight view here. But if a bad friend or an unpleasant mind or object arises, what happens then? Dislike or aversion arises, sir. If we allow, and he reply, the teacher replies, if we allow aversion or dislike to arise, is this skillful or unskillful? It is unskillful, sir. And then Webu replies, so if we accept the agreeable mind objects like crave, liking, craving, wanting, and lust arise, and we're creating unskillful acts which lead to the four lower planes of existence. But if unpleasant thoughts or images arise and we take possession of them, then worry, grief, suffering, anger, and aversion arise, and these mental states lead to the lower planes too. Now, and then he goes to another question, and 
before that, first of all, this is a quite an absolutist view. And this is really, um, you know, Gautama's heart teaching. Um, mind continually uh, generates the cycle or the, the cycle that we call mind continually self-generates until we're finished with the path. And the cycle of mind sequence or processing is perception. Um, basically, because of a subjectivist, because of vijnana or subjective identity, eighth fetter, not broken, we have a sense of self. Whether we're thinking or not, there's still this very subtle uh, identity, uh, uh, this, this sort of field or, or scent, aroma, the aroma of identity the conceit of self, the, the, you know, eighth fetter conceit. There's still, that's always in play. And because of that, the, the mind or awareness naturally um, has a, a sense of uh, inner, outer self and other subject object. Because there's this basic sense of subjectivity, there'll always be, there'll be continual experience of arising perception of objects. When, subject, when subjectivity go, goes, so does objectivity, or so do the objects. When there's no more sense of the subject, there's no more perception of object. But for as long as there's a, this deep, subtle sense of a subject, or I am me, uh, identity, eighth fetter, not broken, there'll be perception of apparent objects. The arising of perception of apparently extern, external or other objects, which include objects of mind. And that's what we're talking about here that the mind keeps taking objects, meaning keeps generating perception of an apparently other or objective uh, external or separate entity uh, to be recognized or identified, to be conceived. We're conceiving our perceptions of apparently um, non-self objects, meaning objects or uh, the subject, you know, the, the dichotomy of the inner outer, or the subject and the object. We're taking objects, actually, because we're making objects. <laughs> if you make, if you have a, a, a subject makes objects, and when the, the illusion of subject goes, so too does the experience of perceiving objects. Uh-huh. And that's non-duality. And that's why Gautama says that at the end, there's no more arising of perception and vijnana. They're gone. Meaning, there's no more uh, subjective identity in the very deep, based on craving, which is based on craving. And, you know, uh, vidya and craving leads to rebirth. And it also, particularly, that subjectivity leads to continual arising of so-called perception of apparent object. So, by, us, by subjectivity, um, is is inevitably generated a continual perception of of apparently other objects, and that's what happens. Um, ar- that's what arises and disintegrates billions of times in a moment, and that is something he probably realized in meditation. In a, in fourth jhana, he had a realization, and that's very much anicchanata. He that that this recognition that quote mind. Uh, how many times does your mind dissolve in a flash of lightning? Mind arises and disintegrates billions of times in a flash of lightning, <laughs> in a flash, in a moment. 
that statement, <laughs> mind uh, disintegrates, arises and disintegrates, right? Arising, persisting, passing away. Billions of times continually or continually incalculably. That's anichanata. That's sunya. And, or the basis of uh, our belief that objects are truly other and we are truly a subject that's distinct and other from the object. That's based on this continual arising and persisting and passing away of perception and sankara in the field of vijnana or separative consciousness or separative subjective consciousness. This is anichanata. This is impermanence. And so impermanence is not like, oh, everything's changing. It's that they're not even substantial things. There's first uh, a perception of apparently substantial things uh, ever arising and passing away. And then uh, when the light of awareness grows even brighter, it's seen how rapidly, how much that's happening, just like a, a flickering movie, right? A moving picture show. Um, experience, subjective experience is akin to the moving picture show. It's an excellent analogy, actually. There is no moving picture on film. There's just rapidly, um, rapidly successive images, still shots rapidly put together. Flash, 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 flash. And when the, when the projector gets going, then it goes from one to many, and then we, we see moving pictures. But they're actually um, not pictures. <laughs> they're, or they're not, there's no moving. There's actually, there's actually continual arising and passing away of distinct snapshots. And that's impermanence, and that's anatta, or insubstantiality, and that's akin to um, the, the sunya, or empty nature, of uh, subjective experience. And so every time mind arises, it takes objects, and that's basically perception-conception, third skanda, fourth skanda, cycling continually. And that's exactly third, uh, arcana, third major arcana, fourth ar- major arcana, perception and uh, or perception from third skanda to fourth skanda perception to sankara is totally like catalyst to experience in the third and fourth cards of the tarot or ra's archetypal mind series one through seven positions three and four catalyst of mind experience of mind catalyst is somewhat raw akin to somewhat raw perception or catalyst as the the unworked perception and then we work it or fashion it by sankara and make it into experience so we fashion experience by catalyst we conceive and label and interpret perception by conception this is very akin in my view here and very interesting how mind makes apparently substantial experience does that ever cut off? Does that ever constant continuous stream of mental objects or perception conception ever get cut off? He said no, and he said that these and Weibu says that these are like good and bad friends in the mind. You can uh, that's an initial kind of teaching that there's what I like and what I don't like, but it's certainly true that there's arising a perception or perception that goes to conception 
that we meet with desire versus aversion. Uh, whether it's a good friend or a bad friend, or the friend is a good or bad, we are um, wanting or rejecting. That's true. Meaning, is the goodness of the friend, good or bad, a property of the friend and the object, meaning the perception, or the conception? Are we labeling it, or is it good or bad in and of itself? Well, that's really kind of both. (laughs) It is nothing other than uh, our labeling, and yet our labeling is something distinct from the labeling. And what is it? it? We don't know. It's actually the play of light. But we do label, and thus we do have grasping and aversion, or wanting and disliking. And what happens is we want or we don't want. Liking or greed arises, dislike or aversion arises. Is it skillful, unskillful? Well, you can say it's all unskillful. Uh, Meanwhile, there is the value of um, being nice to yourself, taking good care of yourself, uh, moving into green, blue, indigo, which seems like a liking. I want light, we seek light, Ross said. Seeking light is skillful. (laughs) And rejecting um, distortion by knowing and accepting, forgiving and detaching and being free of interest, that's good too. (laughs) So it's, there is a good and a bad, there is a right and a wrong, until we realize that there is no good and bad, right and wrong. So there's dualistic approach that leads to a non-dual conclusion. So then, okay, he goes on, um, at, um, and asks, now, at what time does no pleasant or unpleasant thought or image or sound or sight or taste or touch arise? Meaning, is there ever a time when those perceptions or conceptions, the percept, these are really perceptions of image, sound, sight, image and sight are similar, taste, touch, smell, uh, this is a perception arising, including perception of thought. At what time does no pleasant or unpleasant thought, image, sound, sight, taste, touch arise? The disciple says, there's no such time, sir. The mind always takes an object. And yeah, (laughs) for as long as there's subjectivity, there's going to be perception. And when subjectivity goes, so does perception. Because there's no more dualism, or there's no more... There's no more perception of... There's no more field, so-called outer field of object or other. And Weber goes on, and all these objects arising in our minds are the result of deeds you've done in the past in samsara, meaning the round of birth and death. Be an object pleasant or unpleasant, when it arises, what do you normally do? And the disciple so honestly says, we react unskillfully and create bad karma for ourselves, sir. And he goes on, if a pleasant object arises in the mind... Liking, craving, wanting arise. This craving, what is it like? Is it not like a fire? Craving is like a fire. What about disliking, aversion, and hatred? That's also like a fire, sir. So, whatever arises, we have to suffer the burning of fire, don't we? Yes, sir. And a very famous uh, sutta and teaching from Gautama talks about uh, the burning house, that existence or reincarnation, 31 planes, life, for beings not yet finished with uh, the path, is akin to living in a burning house. And the key is get it out. Get out of the burning house. Um, 
there was a reggae song I forgot uh, not not burnout but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll remember it later it's something something get out get out get out Babylon's falling so yeah that's like the burning house um, similar to the um, the arrow that pierces the flesh you don't need to study it you need to pull it out and so so whether we like it or we don't like it whether we have liking or disliking, whether objects are good or bad, or we attribute good and bad, we are doing liking-disliking. And this liking-disliking is all burning in a Buddhist perspective. It's all dukkha. And so there's dukkha of unfulfilled desire, and there's the dukkha of fulfilled desire. There's the dukkha of sukkha and dukkha of dukkha. There's dissatisfaction in pain, and loss, there's dissatisfaction in gain and pleasure and wanting. Um, there may not be much, or there it may be very subtle, or people may say, who cares? But there is the, there is the, the dukkha of anicca uh, anatta, uh, always. Impermanence, the fact that everything's changing, and it's all insubstantial anyway. Whatever it is, is this is insubstantiality. <laughs> And so this is like fire. We have to suffer the burning of fire, don't we? Yes, sir. But of course, if greed and aversion have to arise, let them arise. Which is better than saying, stop it. It's unskillful to have it arise. It's going to arise. You know, we're triggered until we're not triggered. And we have desire and dislike for as long as they come up automatically. So he said, if greed and aversion, meaning desire and dislike, arise, well, let them arise. If we're practicing the teachings of the Buddha, can they affect us? While we're practicing meditation on the breath, greed and aversion don't get an opportunity to possess our minds. And he goes on, The teachings of the Buddha resemble the great lake Anuttatta. If the fires of greed or aversion or any other fires fall into the lake, they're extinguished, and we don't have to suffer their scorching heat any longer. Only if we know each arisal of the mind in the billions of times it arises in a split second can we justly say that we've achieved real wisdom and insight. Uh, panya, discernment. Uh, pan. Pra, pra, panya, meaning pranya. Moving forward, active, nya, or realization. And insight, vipassana. And so this is this is an understanding of anicca actually. Going on, he said, mind and body, mind and body, meaning the perceptions of mind and body. Percept the mind, what we call mind having perceptions, and what we seem to experience as perceptions of a mind. I'm thinking. I'm a me thinking. Or I'm looking at those things over there. So it seems like I have perceptions. I'm an entity that has perceptions. Or, I'm an entity perceiving that I have a mind. I'm perceiving my mind. Okay, whatever. This whole field of mind and then body, the body and the mind, arise billions of times in the wink of an eye, and with it, your good and bad friends, what you like and don't like, if you're not watchful, these good and bad deeds of yours will again be accumulated in you billions of times. And that's the difference between, uh, that's what happens when, when the 8th fetter and ninth particular are cut, and of course one's an arahant. Uh, there's no more karmic accumulation. It's finished, because there's no more subjectivity. 
And that really is a seven chakra, that's the result of a seven chakra development. It's not simply, I understand the teaching. (laughs) Not at all. So then the good and bad deeds are not accumulated billions of times. Uh, because there isn't um, there there isn't the the continued subtle experience of being an entity who's doing, and perception also ends. Now, who is responsible for the pleasant and unpleasant sensations that continuously arise in your body? We are responsible for them, sir. It, and he Webu Sayadaw goes on the debts the debts you've accumulated in the incalculably long period of samsara are with you. If you don't apply the Buddhist teachings and practice, you will accumulate the same debts again and again, billions of times in every split second. Are you able to count these debts? No, sir, they're incalculable. Therefore, you should apply this practice, apply this and practice the Buddha, apply, yeah, apply this practice the Buddha taught. If you don't accept what arises and disintegrates of its own accord, then your accumulated debts will diminish and no new debts will be accumulated, meaning if you don't accept what arises. That's the phrasing. If you realize this arising and vanishing for yourselves, then you don't make new debts and you get rid of the old ones, thus you attain to the higher wisdom. Adi Panya. This technique of being aware of in-breath and out-breath can be practiced anywhere. You can practice whether you're alone or in company, while you're sitting, walking, standing, or lying down, four positions. Wherever you are, you can practice it. Now, do you have to spend money in order to practice this meditation? No, sir. Do you have to take time work, time off work to practice? No, sir. In that case, what's so difficult about it? It's pretty simplistic, huh? Will this practice make you feel tired? No, sir. And so then there's a question about money and business. Before that, and that ends, that goes to the end of the chapter... Uh, this notion of debts you've accumulated, um, they're incalculable. They are, uh, the, the indebted process ends with um, complete and perfect enlightenment. It's basically the process of creating fresh karma, which is good and bad. He said, skillful, unskillful, which really means kusala, akusala, akusala. What's wholesome, what's unwholesome, what's helpful, unhelpful, what's, what is and isn't to long-term welfare and benefit, that's called creating good karma or merit and bad karma or karmic liability. And one ripens in a good way and one ripens in a bad way. And then there's all the dilution and all that. But the more one's experiencing wellness, whether that is whether you think those are prop, whether they seem to be properties of an object like my house is quiet or my neighbors are friendly or they seem to be properties of a subject meaning uh, I walked out into the park and I looked at uh, the dirt <laughs> and I thought oh my god it's so beautiful that, that that's not exact is it a property of the dirt or is it a property of the mind that sees the dirt that says oh my god it's so beautiful I don't know. When I was in high school, I had experience. I looked at a tabletop wood grain, and I was mesmerized and felt uh, such in- incredible joy at the beauty of the wood grain tabletop. Was that a property of the wood grain tabletop, or the mind seeing, or both, or neither? Who can say? You can say it's 
made by the mind, you can say that it's also associated with the object. So there's beauty, you know, see, look around, you see the creator. That would be to see Godhead in every object. Are those objects of Godhead? Or is it the eyes are uh, full of light? Well, both, really. And therefore, not in either, but in both. But the seer is the one that must wake up. Uh, so there's that continued process of karmic seeding. Skillful, unskillful. And again, lower triad blockage is acting out of lower triad blockage um, makes uh, unwholesome dharmas, dhammas. And acting out of higher chakra activation, love, wisdom, awareness, unity, or the good and the true and the beautiful, virtue and kindness, honesty and discernment, wisdom, and awareness of reality, and uh, true center. Uh, acting from that is kusaladama, acting from lower triad blockage, which falls into wrong speech and wrong action and wrong livelihood, makes uh, akusaladama or unwholesome seedings, and that's the accumulation of death again and again. But it's true whether you make good seed, whether you, you whether you are seeding by the higher chakras activation, right speech, right action, you know merit or generosity and virtue in sila you're still making debt there's there's a the debt of goodness and the debt of vice and the debt of the gecko and the debt is really basically it keeps that the it just keeps us recite we keep recycling until we're finished with identity that's the point and um Rob says that, and Buddha's ten fetters show that, and it's beautiful, the concordance, actually. So we can't count the debt. It keeps happening, even when we're doing good in honesty and kindness and balance and service and you know higher qualities and virtues. There's still accumulation of karma to higher rebirth, to higher dimensional rebirth, but uh, we're not finished with the cycling process. And so, and when he says, then he says, if you realize this arising and vanishing for yourselves, then you don't make new deaths and you get rid of the old ones. Get rid of really means dilute, like the keyspoon of salt. You don't make new deaths. Um, the, uh, the, the, the strength of ego, so-called, or identity, the grasping and aversion themselves, weaken. Um, as we see emptiness or impermanence and insubstantiality. As the mind becomes more quiet by concentration, samadhi, practice, living in virtue more or less, uh, by deeper meditation, there's more equanimity and samatha, serenity, and um, we are less prone to wrong speech, wrong action. And we're more prone to generosity and uh, kindness and making merit, naturally. And that um, makes less new debt <laughs> and dilutes the old, old debt. Uh, on, only when you're finished, only with a full realization of three marks, then there's no more debt made and then you really get rid of the old ones because there's no more need for reincarnation in the octave or the 31 planes. Then you attain the higher wisdom and then you're finished with the path. So in terms of practice, yeah, we can practice anywhere, anytime, 
but that doesn't mean it's easy. And then the final dialogue is about jewels. And he says, if you make great profit in your business and people ask you, how much gold, how much silver have you got? Will you tell them? No, sir, said the disciple. And why not? One shouldn't tell others such things, sir. Now, which jewel is more precious, gold and silver or the Dhamma, the Buddha teaching? The Dhamma is more precious, sir. Then don't talk to others about your achievements. What's the time now? 7 p.m., sir. How much time have you got left until sunrise? About 10 hours, sir. And the final statement, he said, Do you think that you can practice meditation for that long, 10 hours, without a break? Work hard to rid yourselves of your debts. The efforts of the past and meritorious deeds performed in the past are giving their good results. Meaning it's, it's your good karma that you're here to listen to me talking about freedom. And now you have a chance to practice, to continue freeing yourself. And you really, you know, there's a certain kind of freedom that's simply not possible without practice. The, the study is excellent, but um, for realization and uh, hacking, <laughs> cutting, striking the root, um, meditation is critical. So for every, for every thousand that hack at the branches, just one strikes the root said uh, Thoreau or one of these fellows, Emerson or Thoreau or somebody. Um, Annapanasati strikes the root. Study hacks the branches. By study, we can get right view, which is very important, but it doesn't cut the root. Strike the root, cut the root, um, is be done <laughs> with um, ultimately the deep mind tendencies that keep us bound. And it's not a matter of right thought, even. It's actually transformation of body. In, in the Ra's discussion of healing and, initiation, healing and initiation of mind and then body and then spirit, uh, it's actually body and spirit that complete the work. It's not simply um, psychological healing. It's much more subtle. It's, it's working on the energetics of the seven chakra system. Um, sustained mindfulness samadhi, sustained silence of mind at a steady state, paraphrasing Ra. By that sustained samadhi, um, stillness, concentration, awareness, brightening, uh, the seven chakras get perfected. I'm not finished, but I trust <laughs> that that's ahead in the, in the headlines. And then it's done. And uh, that's that can't be that final portion can't be done by med without meditation or cannot be done by study. Uh, likewise, a certain kind of real detachment from mind can't happen by study. Uh, a an, a uh, kind of um, automatic or um, unforced or um, authentic and spontaneous natural detachment from mind from thinking, feeling, is not really possible without meditation. You can learn wisdom, uh, but you can't really learn by study uh, vairagya from sankara or detachment from uh, perception, conception cycles. <clears throat> the, 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 the mental, the very subtle, that, that kind of seeing imp emptiness or impermanence and insubstantiality, anicca-nata-dukkha, particularly anicca-nata, 
you really can't see anicca in real time without meditation. And the more the mind is centered and still and bright and attentive, uh, the more we can see um, this sort of dreamlike um, movie, dreamscape production, the, the dreamscape, dreamscape creation process, where uh, countless uh, arisings of perception and conception uh, occur and pass away and are sort of seamlessly uh, joined together to give us this uh, the illusion of substantiality and um, stability or permanence even when that's just not what's happening here but you can't really see into phenomenal emptiness without meditation it's just not possible actually but you can cannot do it by study you can know the theory but to have the realizations or taste the sugar right <laughs> uh, you got to taste it you got to put it in the mouth so that'll be it for today it's a short class in the uh, new tradition of shorter shorter and sweeter next time i want to uh, start the second chapter part 2 called work without wavering He's such a hard-ass guy, you know? He just keeps saying, push, push. <laughs> like in uh, the Twilight Zone episode. Willoughby. Next stop, Willoughby. It's a beautiful one about Willoughby. One of the best. So, this is a long chapter. And um, we'll read it through next time. So, I hope this was useful. And I hope you're well. Take good care of yourselves every day. Um, See you next time, and good night.